Hey everybody, welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. This is our show. It is indeed. Hooray. Yay. So this week went pretty well, I think. We got quite a bit of stuff done and people are starting to get 4X on their table and they seem to be enjoying it. So that's good. Yes, it is. I hope everyone's playing it correctly. Yeah, there have been some people who made some, some rules mistakes on their first playthrough. That's kind of typical, though, for, for any game, which is kind of weird because, you know, the game's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. There's not that many rules. Uh, I try to keep the rules simple on purpose so that I don't forget them, because otherwise I will. Yet, no matter what the game is, there's always going to be something that someone gets wrong the first time or the second time. And with a game like 4X, where it is a very fragile game and prone to being distorted by the player's decisions, if you get a rule wrong, it really can unbalance the entire experience and someone's enjoyment of it. And it's already a game that a very small group of people are going to really glom onto anyway. Well, I would like people to enjoy it. I generally design games with the purpose in mind of people who play them also enjoying them. That's... That's one of my goals as a game designer. So, speaking of enjoyable, on Thursday, we met with and had dinner with uh, Patrick Tremoreau. Hope I pronounced that last name correctly, and if I didn't, I'm sure he'll he'll let us know. And uh, he is an artist. He did the art for our game Teutons, the Lucotney game, and also... More Aggressive Attitudes by John Tyson. And I also worked with him once before on a, a fantasy game a couple years back for a magazine. And we met him through online through Anya. And uh, he's an artist who's based in Sweden. He's French, uh, but based in Sweden. And uh, he was coming to Detroit for work. And since we're in Detroit, we said, hey, we should meet up. And we did. And he was very charming and very friendly and very generous and very thoughtful. And it was just a really nice evening. I'm not sure if it was his first time in America, but he had uh, a, a lot of cultural observations, I guess, about uh, his experiences and things that just are, are different. Uh, in America compared to in Sweden or France or, or elsewhere. Uh, when we were at the the restaurant, the the waitress, um, I don't I, I don't know if she was exceptionally pushy. Meals are more leisurely over in Europe. They're not leisurely over here. They want you out as fast as they can get you out so they can make more money. Yes. And the more people they can put in that seat during the evening or whenever, afternoon or whenever, the more money they'll make. And I, I think that was kind of a cultural shock for, for Patrick there. And I was kind of irritated every time she interrupted us, too. It was really a wonderful evening. It was nice to, to meet with someone and talk with someone and be connected to someone through through the work, through the board game. So uh, it was very pleasant. I hope we get to meet him again. Yes, me too. We had a couple of listener requests, a couple of people who asked us if on our next podcast we could talk about a couple of the games that we have planned for next year. Uh, specifically, they wanted to know more about uh, expansions for table battles, and they wanted to know more about the second Supply Lines game. So we'll talk about that. So the first expansion for table battles that we have coming out, which should be coming out in January is Wards of the Roses. And this has eight battles uh, from, uh, wait for it, wait for it, the Wars of the Roses. 
we're on track right now for a January release. And our general plan is to hopefully release a new expansion uh, every three months or so. We'll see how that works. We have some other designers working with us on some expansions. So it takes some of the um, stuff off of my plate. Let's be concentrating on some other things. Though really with table battles, it's, it's easier to design a table battle scenario than is a lot of other things because of the inherent simplicity of the system. It's not the kind of thing where I need to find out this hex should be or that hex should be because there's no hexes, there's no map. I don't need to come up with a detailed order of battle the way I would have to do for something like in the Shot and Shell series. And the Shot and Shell series really, I mean, that's easier to design for than something like the new Supply Lines game because I'm working in kind of a traditional mode, traditional war game mode with zones to control, hex encounters, and so on. So stuff like Shot and Shell and Shields and Swords, I have a quicker turnaround time on that than I do on something like supply lines or this guilty land where a lot of the concepts are newer table battles has newer concepts and it took a while to get those base rules just right but now that i have those rules right it's more just applying the the system to the battle finding the way to represent the battle using the table battle system one thing in general for this expansion is there are less morale cubes to go around so you still have the situation where both players are kind of pushing at each other, trying to find uh, the jugular, as it were, and go for that jugular. But now when you actually go for the jugular, it's a bit more decisive because there's less of a margin for error and more of a situation where, okay, he has two morale cubes. I have one morale cube. I need to eliminate one of his guys, route one of his formations, before he routes mine, because once he routes mine, it's game over. But I have to route his so I have a chance to win the game, and that fort slows him down, because then he has to go through two formations. But that is the first expansion, and we'll be announcing more as we get closer to them. I mean, we want to do one on Napoleon. We want to do one on stuff in the Ancients period. We want to do stuff on the American Civil War. We want to do stuff on World War II. So... You know, we're working on it, and we'll get some out. And what about I, Japan or China? Yeah, that would work, too. Yeah. Really, all all of human history can be viewed Neanderthals? Well, I, I, and that's really kind of prehistory, by, by definition. It's kind of hard to do Neanderthal battles. T-Rexes. Okay. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Okay, dinosaur battles might be... That would be so cool. Okay. Dinosaur table battles, I think we're going to have to do this. Yes. Okay. You know, forget Wars of the Roses. Let's just let's just push that back to like quarter two of next year. Quarter one, we got to do dinosaurs. I got to get on this. We got to start this. I got I to start this right now. Yes. All right. You better not be mocking me. You better actually <laughs> be going to do this. I'm not mocking you. Okay. Well, I, I'm not sure when it will be done, but we will actually do this. That sounds... I don't know. It sounds fun. That's a great idea. I always have great ideas. You do always have great ideas. You know what your greatest idea was? Marry me. Marrying you. (laughs) Worked out for me anyway. (laughs) The other game people have been asking about is the second supply lines of the American Revolution game, which is 
supply lines of the American Revolution, colon, the Southern Strategy. And they want to know how that game is progressing and how it's different from the first one. So it is progressing. I have a rule set in place. I have a counter mix and a map in place. I need to print up the map and the counters. I need to get it on the table and I need to actually start playing the darn thing and then make adjustments as needed. So the first step is always getting those rules in place. So if I don't have rules, I don't have a game. So I've been working with that. Now it wasn't too hard because I had the, the rules from the first game to kind of work from, though there are some important differences in this one. The key is that you also now have a partisan element. You have militia or loyalist forces within each state. So you actually have states, or uh, colonies rather, to be a bit more accurate. You actually have colonies where that political division matters. In the first game, because it was based more on the kind of operational aspect of the warfare and the supply aspect of the warfare, we did not demarcate that this is New York, this is Rhode Island, this is Massachusetts, because it, it wasn't needed. Whereas here, because you have these partisan elements that are being simulated, we needed to say, okay, this is North Carolina, this is South Carolina, this is Virginia, this is Georgia, which are the four colonies that are featured in the game. And the way it works, in the first game, you have alternating impulses. So I have an impulse, you have an impulse, I have an impulse, you have an impulse, until either we both pass consecutively or through passing non-consecutively, we reduce the pass track down to zero, thus ending the turn. That's still present in this game, but you have instead paired impulses. So on my turn, I have two impulses, and then you have two impulses, and then I have two impulses, but you have uh, two different kinds of impulses. So on your turn, you have a limited impulse and a full impulse. So the limited impulse can be used only for partisan-type actions, only for irregular actions that disrupt supply or try to hold or gain territory within the state uh, colony. The full impulse, you can do the kind of stuff you do in the first game where you're activating armies and moving them and doing battle and so forth, but you also within the full impulse could do those kind of partisan actions. The supplies you generate within a colony are dependent upon your support on the partisan level. So you will generate less supplies if you do not have that partisan support. Conversely, the support you have on the partisan level is at least somewhat determined by the presence of your army, your military presence in the territory. So you have the two things feeding into each other, which at least in theory is going to be very interesting. I have to get it on the table yet. Now that I get table battles done, the next thing on my plate is actually uh, the next shot and shell game, which is the Heights of Alma. It's kind of a remake, I guess, of my previous game, Blood on the Alma. And I'm doing that one next because that's the one that's going to fill a slot earlier in next year's production schedule, whereas Supply Lines is going to wait a little while for uh, some free time in Anya's schedule. Uh, so Supply Lines and this Guilty Land are still kind of on the back burner, but they're going to start testing very soon. While you were blathering on, I was reminded of <laughs> Blood in the Fog. Mm-hmm. And my little picket. Yes. We never had a special... Well, you didn't want to put the special rule in Mary's picket. I didn't have enough counters to do Mary's picket, specifically. 
that's upsetting. My little picket stood off the entire Russian army. Yes. By himself. Yes, he did. Well, they did because the picket represented multiple. I know. It was one guy. It was one guy. It was one guy. One guy. Okay. One guy. Speaking of which, uh, November 5th, I think, is the anniversary of the Battle of Inkerman. So to commemorate uh, Inkerman, we'll have Blood in the Fog on sale that day. So you can get a few bucks off, uh, pick up a copy of Blood in the Fog. Mary's Pickett's very brave. Mary's Pickett was very brave. The Mary's Pickett sale. In commemoration. Of course, somebody kept throwing all of the Russians at him. I did. And I couldn't, I could not, and I shouldn't have done that because the game really gives a lot of advantages to the Russians in the early game and the advantage goes to the Allies in the late game and it shifts. So during that early game, you really need to focus as the Russian player on doing the things that will win you the game. And not get mad because somebody's picket. I'm going to get rid of that picket and throw everything out of that picket. I did not win that game. Not come anywhere close because instead of ignoring the picket, who wasn't really, couldn't really do anything to my guys, I was like, I'm going to get rid of that picket. And I just, he would not, he would not budge. No, he did not go down. I think Mary's picket should be in um, supply lines of the southern, uh, why? supply lines too. Why Why would Mary's Pickett be in Spy Because you wouldn't put him in Blood in the Fog. But he's from... I'll see what I can do. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> Maybe he'll fight dinosaurs. Okay, alright. Yeah, dinosaurs, table battles, expansion, you have Mary's Pickett. Yeah. I think that's enough for today. Take it easy, everybody. Bye. <laughs>